When you're there, are you really there or are you on your phone? Get off your phone and actually be present in the moment. We'll show you how in today's episode of Adulting. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquit. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing well. How are you? I am just fine. So today we're talking about being in the moment, being present, and and getting off of our devices. I, I'm really tempted to sit here and, and check my, my texts or my Facebook while we're recording this, but for this episode, I'll put the phone away. Ah. Good idea. I have done the same. Uh, And it's hard because we're always getting notified of things that are drawing our attention. So there was this really cool photo series posted on, uh, posted all over the place, really. It went viral. Right. right. It was really cool. It was basically, it showed people on their phones, but the phones were all removed from the images. And what are you left with? nothing just people looking at their hands but they're not but the thing that is really interesting is they're not looking at each other so you're you're stuck with these images where everybody's just sort of it looks like they're staring into nothing and they're with people but they're obviously not paying attention to them so so these are pictures of of you know perhaps couples or friends and uh they should be engaging with each other in normal society Perhaps, um, you know, I think the leading picture is is a couple in bed and they're facing away from each other and they're staring at their empty hands. And, you know, it's it's a it's a cute little idea. And I think it's a nice illustration of how we are just way too focused on our devices and not so much on other people in our lives. And I think that's a really big issue that we're running into. One of the other photos that struck me was there was a family. They're kind of gathered around the table, but everybody's like looking down at the table. So it looks like everybody's just sad and unhappy, but really they're all on their devices. They've got their their tablets, their phones, whatever the device is, they're all on their devices. And that really struck me because we do have this problem where we're looking at our devices and we're interacting with these electronic devices and not paying attention to the people that are right there in front of us and are part of our everyday lives. And I think that's a big disconnect that we're starting to see. I really like this photograph of the married couple who are sitting on the hoods of their car. um, And this should be the happiest time of this couple's life. And they're just looking at their phones or looking at their empty hands in this case. Oh, yeah, the marriage picture. That's that's funny. And, and the other thing, too, is that you kind of see when you're constantly using your social media and constantly being involved with your devices like that is you're not enjoying the moment. So even if you're taking a picture of the moment or or something like that, you're not truly engaging in the moment or engaging with the people around you. You're actually doing it for the camera or the social post and not really for the person. So I think that marriage one kind of 
looks at something that maybe you're not seeing in the picture, but yeah, they're checking their phones now. Uh, I bet they're checking their Facebook likes to see how many people liked the whatever picture, whatever selfie they did, took of their wedding and posted on Facebook, right? <laughs> and that's what they're doing. They're checking to see how many likes their their wedding selfies are getting. And that's kind of a sad commentary that a lot of what we do now is about playing to whatever audience we think we have rather than connecting with the people we're currently with. But isn't being active on social media a way of connecting with people, people you may not be able to connect with on a regular basis otherwise? Isn't isn't this just another way of connecting? And perhaps we're trading some of this in-person connection for this for this other kind of connection, but it's still a connection, right? Oh, I agree that, yes, it's a great way to keep connected. I love checking Facebook for like my cousins that I used to play with when I was little, but now we live in different states. And so it's fun to look and make those connections. But at the same time, I don't want to make that something that puts expense of the moment and the moment that we're trying to be present in right now. If your life is just a series of posting things for other people to look at, that's not really you living your life. That's you trying to, sh- to, to show people how awesome you are, I guess. And I post stuff on Facebook all the time. I post pictures of my son and I, but one thing that really struck me was a couple months ago when my son was attending his first fencing tournament, I didn't take a single picture because I was so interested in watching what he was doing and learning the rules, what scored as a hit, uh, so that I could help him when we were sparring at home. And one thing I realized at the end of the tournament was I hadn't taken a single picture because I was present in the moment and I wasn't worried about, hey, how is this going to look on Facebook later? I was like, this is the moment I am in right now. And later I could post something on text, but I realized I was more in the moment because I wasn't so worried about what was going on on social media. I I try to do the same thing, especially when I'm on dates is, you know, the idea is to focus solely on the person you're with. Uh, That really is the whole point of a date. Uh, So if you're going out with friends or seeing people or in a one-on-one situation, you've got to find a way to disconnect and, you know, stop looking for a reason to move your attention elsewhere. Yeah. So when you're using your devices and everything, sometimes it's not just about social media. Sometimes it's about games and we, we don't think about that, but do you ever get like addicted to a game? Yeah, that's I'm I'm sure people I mean, I know people who are I have found myself unable to get addicted to games even when I try. Um, You know, there was a period of time when I would play Candy Crush on my phone and I just got bored of it after a while. Um, But, you know, there there was a period of time when I saw people playing that, you know, constantly all, you know, just always on their phone playing games like that. Is that is that something you see? Yeah, I see it all the time. My son, my gosh, if he's not playing a game on the phone, his time is wasted. So we're working on other other methods. But yeah, uh, I, like you, tend to get really annoyed and bored with games. I do have a game called Threes. It's sort of this little puzzle game. And I think it's kind of fun to have on there, like if I'm stuck somewhere waiting for something and I'm annoyed with life, (laughs) I'll get on and play Threes just to sort of bring me down. But most of the time, if I'm in a position where I'm stuck waiting for something or I'm running out of something to do, I use my Kindle app on my phone. Uh, But 
playing games is not something that interests me when I'm with other people. But I see it a lot where people have to sit down and play the game and we sort of have this idea that we have to be constantly entertained. And we're not just sitting back and enjoying the moment with somebody or even just enjoying a moment of stillness. We have this idea that we have to be constantly entertained or something's not right. Well, and a lot of the problem, I think, is that games are designed now to be very social, first of all. You're always connected to your friends. You're always put in competition with your friends through these games, uh, at least a lot of the time. And there's that puts a lot of pressure on you to progress through the game um, just as your friends are. You don't want to be left behind. Right, and that kind of plays into this idea of the fear of missing out, right? The FOMO, the fear of missing out and saying, oh, what if I miss this game people are playing? What if I miss something somebody says on Twitter that's just so witty? What if I miss this Facebook post? There's this whole idea that we're missing out on something and that can play into our obsession with our devices and, and have us worried about what we're missing rather than enjoying who we're with right now. Often we think we can multitask. Uh, We can play games and be uh, involved with our phones at the same time we are uh, communicating with people in person. That isn't really a thing. Uh, It's been proven by science that multitasking is not even something that our brains can do. Um, You know, fast task switching is probably more appropriate on, you know, a brain level in terms of how we're able to manage multiple responsibilities at the same time but multitasking we we really can only focus on one thing at once we have to decide which is more important and and if we're thinking that and the way we're spending our time is showing that staring at our phone checking facebook statuses or reading twitter updates is more important than the people in our lives you know why why is that the case and is that the way we want things to be and if it isn't what can we do to make those changes. And I, one of those things is just putting down the phone for a while. Yeah, I think that's the big thing right there is just put it down, step away from the phone. The problem we're running into is all of this obsession with devices, this idea we have to be entertained. This actually doesn't help us feel happier or more fulfilled. Uh, Scientific American recently uh, published an article about why we're wired to connect with other people, being social, being with other people, not just interacting with them on Facebook or or trying to do this, but being with them in person, it actually helps them feel happier. And that social connection, even for people like us who are introverts, is still an important part of life and important part of feeling happy and fulfilled. Another recent study um, in the uh, Journal of Behavioral Addictions shows that people, they they asked habitual Facebook users uh, what their motivation was for using Facebook. There, of course, is this fear of missing out, which we've already talked about, but more specifically, they are looking to Facebook for to fulfill their need to socialize and connect. Facebook and other social media and spending time online and dealing with people not in real space is not fulfilling this need to socialize and connect. These websites are 
promising us that we can connect with our friends and with our people, but is not really truly delivering on that promise because the connections we're making are not so great and especially not as good as connections you can make with someone in person. Um, so that was one one of the interesting findings of this study um, from the Journal of Behavioral Addictions. Uh, there are other motivations as well. Boredom. <laughs> People will simply turn to their phone when they're bored. And I am certainly, this is probably the biggest thing for me. I, I may have work to do. I always have work to do because there are always things that I want to do. But there are times during the day that I feel bored and I don't particularly want to spend every minute of my day working. And it's easy to just pick up the phone and take a look and see what's going on and see what my friends are up to and who's checking in where and who's posting, who's sharing a meme, just see, just seeing what's going on with my friends. And it's simply because I have nothing else to do with my mind at that particular moment, or I don't want to spend the effort to take one of my projects to the next level, which I should be doing. Uh, but <laughs> again, you can't do that 24 hours a day. So there are times throughout the day when you have boredom and you just pick up the phone. Yeah. And I have that too sometimes. And I, that's one thing that I'm actually really working on right now is what are some other things that I can do when I'm bored, but I don't want to do something productive. And uh, that one of the things I like to do now is I've got, I've got a crochet project. I'm working, I'm not really crafty, but my son asked me to crochet him a sweater, <laughs> not a sweater, a, a, a scarf, not a sweater. And he's not wearing a sweater I crocheted, but, uh, he asked me to crochet him a scarf. And when a 13 year old boy asks you to crochet them a scarf and they're very excited about it, you do that because no teenager is going to ask for that in like a year from now. And that's something that I started doing is just keeping the crochet handy so that if I'm bored and I start reaching for my phone, I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, I've, you know, I like doing this or, uh, my parents got me for my birthday recently. They, one of the gifts they gave me was an adult coloring book. That's like the new thing right now. And, and I'm not really into coloring, but I do find that it's a little more soothing and it's a little bit better for whatever I'm doing more calming than being on the phone. So I've got to ask, how is an adult coloring book different than a children's coloring book? Is it merely the subject? I think it's the intricacy because with a children's coloring book, right, you have big, well, first of all, it's part of it's the subject. You have the big cartoonish kind of characters, but the big cartoonish kind of look where you've got lots of space to color in. If you look at an adult coloring book, it's really small spaces. And it's really more intricate and it's more difficult. And for somebody who never was very good at coloring inside the lines, I just have to like go and be like, I don't care how it looks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 that's what I'm, what I'm kind of doing now is trying to have some things about the house so that if I am bored or if I want a little bit of downtime, I don't immediately reach for my phone. There's something else that my eye falls upon that I can use instead because I'd rather, I, I don't want to get in the habit because if you get in the habit of at home being bored, immediately reaching for your phone, it becomes this habit to look in. And you know, they've, they've looked at reward centers and research and looking at Facebook likes is addicting. Sure. You want to see, you know, you get a little ping in your reward center when you see that Facebook like, when you see those notifications, you know, the little world notification thing. You see that and you get a little bing in your reward center and it can be addicting. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's vindication. It's people showing that they approve of whatever it is that you're writing about or doing. And usually you're sharing something that you're doing or you're sharing pictures of your kids and people want to be liked. And this is this at this great affirmation. Um, and it's good to be affirmed of things like this. But what does that mean for when you share something and you don't get a like? Right. And that's the other side. That's the dark side of being addicted to your phone or your devices because you're always looking and what can I do to to get that going and what does that say about when you're constantly doing this at home and when you're constantly looking for that reward center and you're sitting here with somebody and trying to engage in the moment but instead you're like automatically reaching for the phone and, and looking for that validation elsewhere rather than engaging and I think that that becomes a habit and it's one that I am trying to break. This This can be difficult for people because there are certainly you can be in a situation in a life situation where you don't have a lot of support you don't have people telling you you know they love you or you're doing a good job or giving you this affirmation so facebook and social media and twitter as well and and various other forms of online connecting could be the only place that someone gets any kind of affirmation whatsoever. And that that goes back to, I think we're going to do an episode on how to make good friends. Right. So that'll help out. <laughs> it could. But yeah. But at the same time, you know, yes, you do want to check. I, I'm not saying, you know, you have to be a Facebook monk, can't go there ever. But you do want to kind of find that balance. And I think too, go back and, you know, look at your our alone episode because sometimes it helps to learn to like yourself right? first. For people I know, there is certainly an idea that liking yourself is the first step. And that's probably why some people don't get this affirmation from other people. People need to put out a positive message of themselves. And I don't mean, I don't mean sharing positive things on social media. I mean, just showing the world in their behaviors and how they go about their business day to day, that they feel good about themselves. And that is how it becomes a lot easier to to find this validation from other people because people will feed off of that positive. I don't want to say energy because it sounds hokey, but the positivity is addictive and it's a much better addiction than uh, cell phone addiction. Um, speaking of addiction, one other interesting point from the Journal of Behavior, Behavioral Addiction is that the other motivation is simply, or not simply so much, but it's an interest in monitoring their friends' activities. We, we want to know what people are doing all the time because it's so easy to share that information now. So we have this need to know what's going on in other people's lives and social media is a way to fulfill that. And it just becomes even worse because people are certainly fulfilling that desire by sharing every little thing that they do. Yay, voyeurism. I see it a little bit too because there are some people I want to say, hey, what's going on? And we live 2,000 miles apart. And whenever like I see a little status update from Harlan, I'm like, ooh, what's Harlan up to? <laughs> but when I get right down to it, let's be real, like looking at your latest status update is not nearly as awesome as being able to go out with you in New York. Absolutely. And seeing you in person. Right. There is that and you do want to monitor your friend's activities, but at what point are you so involved in your friend's activities that you are not present in your own life and in your own moments? 
and enjoying your own life. And one of the things, one of the traps you fall into as well is a lot of the time people put up idealized versions of their lives. And so you have this idea that they're living a great life and then you're sad back here with your voyeurism and going, my life sucks. Right, because you're comparing it to someone who's only sharing the good aspects of their life. Right. And so there's some of that. They're starting to see studies where overuse of social media, uh, constantly being on Facebook tends to lead to depression and anxiety. And you wonder what's wrong with you. Why is everybody else having an amazing time with their life? And why does your life suck so hard? There's a need for us on social media to portray ourselves. Uh, You know, suddenly over the last few years, Everyone has become a brand. And, you know, in the entrepreneurial community, it's been this way for a while. We know that we have to present ourselves in such a way. Um, you know, entrepreneurs need to do this because they need to promote themselves and they need to earn business and earn trust of other people. So they present themselves in a very positive light online. They talk about their successes. And when they talk about their failures online, it's always framed in such a way to say that, oh, no one ever talks about their failures. I'm going to be the one guy who comes and talks about my failure. Look how real I am. And none of it's real. I mean, it's all for show and everything is for show. And it's so hard for someone who feels authentic inside, like all of us do, to balance, you know, either seeing all of that or knowing that we all have a need to portray ourselves in a positive light to other people throughout the world. And it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I think I think as a as a society and even as people, we're still trying to find our way, trying to find where to go with that. And and I think part of it, too, is is learning to be vulnerable. We talked about that earlier. We do want to be vulnerable. We do want to show those vulnerabilities to people online as well as offline and, and make that connection. Because one of the ways to make a more genuine online connection is to be vulnerable and to, and to kind of show that a little bit. Yeah, as long as you're not showing your vulnerability as if you're pointing it out that you're doing such a great job of being honest (laughs) that hey look at me look at me not only do I have all these great things going in my life but I'm also vulnerable (laughs) and that is that is the thing is are you being genuine when you're doing that and that's that's a hard thing to decide and that's a hard thing to to move forward with but it it is it is part of what we need to figure out how we're going to manage because we we do. This is the world now, and this is the way we need to learn to manage ourselves. So what are some of the things that we can do to be present, especially when we're with our friends or with people who expect our attention in person? Oh, we said it earlier, put down the device, put it away, put it in your pocket, whatever, just, just put it away. One of the things that I loved about when you and I were in New York with some other friends recently was most of us, we had the phone out for the GPS. <laughs> we had to know where we were going. That's right. The phone was out for the GPS while we were walking. And then I had my phone on the table, but that was mainly just with the ringer turned up, but that was mainly just in case my son needed me. And other than that, we weren't on our phones. We weren't checking Facebook. We weren't doing that. And that was one thing that I really liked about that evening. I spent hours where I didn't notice any of us really looking at our phones. It was great. 
Yeah, because everyone that we needed to be in contact with for any reason was there. <laughs> but yeah, but we. But what I'm saying is, like, we weren't all like, "Hey, let's check our Facebook statuses," right? Which was nice, and that's the thing. Put the phone away, or if you do have the phone out, which I've started doing at dinners because of an instance that involved my son trying to get a hold of me while I was at dinner, but my phone was put away in my purse and I couldn't hear it. Uh, and he tried for an hour <laughs> to get a hold of me before finally contacting my ex, who then tried for the next 20 minutes to get a hold of me. <laughs> After that experience, I do put my phone on the table, but I put it face down so that every little thing doesn't distract me. And I just turn the ringer up and my son has his own ringer sound because you do want to be able to pay attention to those kinds of things. If my son is contacting me, I need to be able to, to know that and I need to be able to address that, especially if it's going to be an emergency. So you have a separate sound that is activated only when your son tries to contact you because your son is obviously the most important person in your life. So I think that's a great idea. If you can separate those who need to get in contact with you um, from those, you know, who, you know, you might not need to hear from um, while you're probably not an emergency situation. But my question for you then is what did you do before your son had a cell phone and he needed to get in contact with you? Yeah. So honestly, he's had this is parenting done probably wrong. He's had, he had a track phone. He's had a track phone since he was 10 and he's 13 now. And he's had a, he's had a smartphone since he was 12. So he's had a cell phone pretty much since the time that he's been able to go roaming about by himself, whether he's on a bike with his friends or a friend's house, or if I'm leaving, uh, most of the time before that, he was either with a babysitter and the babysitter had my information. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was, you know, the babysitter could contact me if he needed something or he was at school where the school could contact me where he needed something. And other than those situations where he's either with the babysitter or with me, babysitter at school, sorry, he's either with, he's with me. So if he's not with the babysitter of the school back in the day, he's with me. Now it's a little different. He's got friends. He's got activities. Uh, he's old enough that he can be alone in the house for an hour or two if I'm if I'm doing something that he doesn't want to participate in. And so that's different. But ever since we've been to this point where we've had a separation and he hasn't needed, he's not been in a state of constant supervision, he's had a cell phone. So I really can't answer that question because... <laughs> that's never gone up. But if you are in a situation where you do need somebody important to be able to get a hold of you, then back in the good old days, my parents used to say, this is where we'll be. This is the restaurant we'll be at. This is the grocery store we plan on going to so that you could call that and have them paged. That's really old school. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what you had to do when you didn't have cell phones and now everybody is immediately accessible all the time. When it comes to children, perhaps there should be some kind of level in terms of importance of the communication so that they understand that not every need is an emergency. Uh, so that way, when you are separated, they are only contacting you for the things that you truly need to be contacted for. And you're also not checking in on them a hundred times a day. And that's important, too, is communicating your expectations to your children. This is especially important because our children, my child, uh, children of current millennials, children of even many Gen Xers, are digital natives. 
this is what they've grown up with. They've grown up with this constant connection. And this is something that you need to talk to them about. Not everything you have to say is text worthy immediately. <laughs> you can wait till I get home. You do need to talk about that. And, and, you, and that's a good thing to talk about, even with people who aren't your children. When do you need to text somebody? Is this really text worthy? And can you acknowledge that maybe somebody doesn't need to get back to you immediately? We live in a world where like, if I send out a text and I don't get a text back immediately, am I going to freak out about it? Or am I going to be like, this is not that important? Yeah, I think, uh, well, we've discussed that in, in another episode as well as terms of what the expectation for communication has to be. Uh, you at least have to agree on some ground rules so that you can communicate effectively with your devices. We're not lamenting the fact that people are growing up now with this immediate access to communication and uh, social media. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's this is a good thing, and it's a great part of life, and it's useful. It can save people's lives, even. It has to be used properly and used in moderation and taken as you know, a, a small part of a bigger whole of communication and of socialization and, you know, spending time with people and building relationships. Um, it can't be the the sole focus of your attention all the time. Right. And so keeping that in mind, then, what are some things that people can do right now to help them start breaking that that addiction to their devices and live in the moment more. What are some action things people can do right now to get started? I love this first idea. And that is to set aside time every day to be without your devices. And it may coincide with family time for you at the end of the day, perhaps when people come home from work, maybe, maybe once the family is together, you spend an hour or two and nobody's on devices, no, no games, no social media, no phones, no TV, no Netflix, no laptops, no tablets. Am I missing anything? But you just set aside this small part of the day uh, every day for you to engage with other people in a way that doesn't involve small pieces of technology that kind of distract you. And if, if you're in a situation like me, where you don't live with other people. Uh, perhaps it isn't the family time that you set aside each day. Perhaps it's just an hour or two in the middle of the day um, or an hour or two when you come home from work where you find, um, you know, maybe you, you read or maybe you talk to a friend on the phone. Maybe you go out to a restaurant and eat and leave your phone at home. Can you do that? Can you actually leave your phone at home for a half an hour or an hour? Not without freaking out, I can't. Yeah, well, maybe that's something <laughs> that we can figure out how to do so we can leave the home without a cell phone. The only times I've done that have been by mistake. And, you know, I'm a half an hour down the road and I realize, well, do I go back for my phone or do I continue what I'm doing? And usually I continue what I'm doing, but then I'm always concerned. What if there's an emergency? What if, what if I need to tell someone something? What if I need to check my friend's status update? Well, you know, these things aren't really that important. And usually 99.999% of the time, I haven't actually needed the phone. 
And if I needed to get in contact with someone, I'd figure out how to do a collect call from somewhere. I mean, payphones don't exist anymore, but somebody's got to have a phone somewhere. I'll run into somebody on the street and I'll say, hey, can I borrow your phone? It's an emergency. My issue with that, so if I leave my phone home, I freak out. And one of the good reasons I do that is there was one time where my phone died while I was out. <laughs> Bad planning there. But my phone died while I was out. And I was like, oh. And by the time I home, I was like, oh, it's only been an hour. What could possibly have happened? What possibly could have happened was my son was sick and needed to be picked up from school. That's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I turned on my phone and it was like the school. It was my son. Your son is sick. And I, you know, he, I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. He'd hung out in the nurse's office until I came to get him. But I was like, great. Yeah, this is what happens when I don't have a phone. He did survive, however. That's true. That's true. They didn't have to call the ambulance. Right. He did not have to be picked up immediately. He could sit in the nurse's office and he could wait. That's right. That's right. right. Good lesson for everyone. Um, So uh, another thing is that you can actually go out and make an effort to have a conversation with someone. That's something that you can do right now. Just as soon as you're done listening to the podcast anyway, go out. And find someone to talk to, whether it's someone you know, whether it's a stranger, yeah, talk to someone you know, that's probably a better idea. But when you do that, put your phone in your pocket and don't take it back out unless it's to show them the adulting.tv website and the podcast so that you can share it and subscribe. Other than that, keep the phone in your pocket just while you have this conversation. See if you can do that. Another thing that I really like the idea of doing is creating a device-free space where everyone has to leave their devices behind. Over the holiday season, my I was visiting my fa- my sister's family, and she received a game for Christmas. It's called the Wikipedia game, and it's a trivia game. Uh, but one of the first things they say is everybody has to put their phone in the box lid because of course you're not supposed to use it to cheat because it's a trivia game you can't be looking at google but something but just the idea of putting the phone in the box and and having this device we ended up with this device free space was great because we could talk to each other we were making eye contact we were having fun playing this game and we adopted that even we even though we didn't weren't playing wikipedia the next time but we were playing Carcassonne uh, later and Settlers of Catan later. We're like, hey, let's do device free. And we put our devices in the box and set them aside and didn't have them anywhere near us. And having that device free zone really helped. And it helps whether even if you're watching TV with your family, put make it a device free zone when you're watching a movie so that you have popcorn and you could talk about the movie and you're not tempted to look at your phone. Because let's be honest, if you're sitting there watching a movie with your family, how many times did you pick up your phone and looked at look at it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the answer is really sad when I paid attention to that the other day. You can play Carcassonne on your phone now, by the way. Ah, grand. No, 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 no. <laughs> so one of the writers that I've been following, uh, a blogger who's been blogging since like the late 90s, is Neil Dash. And he wrote an oh, article yeah. um, relatively, re- I don't know when he wrote it actually, but... Um, He has found a way in his life to turn the fear of missing out, which we talked about earlier. Uh, He turned it around and he actively pursues missing out. And he turned that into the joy of missing out. While you're missing what's going on with your friends who are in other places, focus in on your family and yourself 
you know, your family and yourself and, and find the joy in just being with those people. And then that takes this whole idea of caring about what's going on somewhere else, the rest of the world. And you just, that fear disappears because suddenly you're enjoying what you're doing. So you have to, sometimes you have to make this leap to actively seek out the joy in human company. But once you do, it can easy, easily replace this need that you have to look and see what's going on in other people's lives and, and keep up to them and make sure that you're not missing out on some big party that everyone's having on social media and you're not there on Facebook at the right time so you're missing out this big piece of information, this big piece of socialization. No, you're enjoying what you have by yourself or with your family or with a loved one. You're just enjoying the idea of not only being with this person, but but letting all the other stuff going on in the world that you're missing out on, just leave it for the other people who aren't finding joy in their lives. And I like that. I like this mindset, mindset shift to, hey, I'm going to be present in my own life and enjoy my own life. I like this idea of the mindset shift. And finally, I think part of being present in your own life is being aware and knowing. And you mentioned, and I've seen this before, um, I have some other friends who use this as well, the Rescue Time app. So tell, tell me a little bit about the Rescue Time app and why you should download it right now to help you figure out what you're doing with yourself. This is a really cool idea, and I, I use it myself for, for quite a bit of time. It was so depressing that I gave up, but <laughs> you, you, you need to check it out at least once. There's, there's a program you can download for Windows called Rescue Time. There's, there's other apps that are very similar for iPhones and for Android devices, but uh, Rescue Time is probably the most popular out of all the programs. Basically, it runs in the background on your computer, and it tells you how much time you spend in each active application. So you can see yourself, you know, perhaps you're writing and you're doing work in Microsoft Word. Um, you know, how often do you get distracted by Facebook? It'll tell you how much time you spend on each tab or uh, or in each program. Um, and it makes it oh so clear how much time you are taking away from yourself in order to give to these distractions uh, like social media when, you know, of course, social media does have purposes that are important and being on the internet certainly has work-related purposes as well. But this system of cataloging and logging your time spent on activities, even if you do it for a short amount of time just to get an idea of what your life really looks like, it is so eye-opening that you will probably change the way you approach your day immediately and keep doing it every once in a while to check in on yourself and uh, hopefully you'll see some improvement there. Yeah, and that's a great thing too because it really opens your eyes to how much time you're spending on these other activities rather than your own life. So we do have a listener question and it says, my significant other is constantly checking the device. How do I convince her to stop checking her email or texting and pay attention to our time together? This is very sensitive for people in relationships. How do you get your partner to pay attention to you? Well, there are two ways to go about this, I think. There is the, I'm taking your phone, I'm 
throwing it into the pool. Don't really do. Don't really do that. (laughs) (laughs) Or there is uh, the option to have, you know, a discussion about it and address the issue. Uh, Addressing the issue is always the way to go. You know, it doesn't we probably don't have to say that, but there is still a case for saying, you know, saying, okay, we have, we have a problem and we're not, if, if things don't work and we've addressed the issue and we've tried to talk about this, but still, you know, I'm feeling that we're not connecting because you're distracted all the time. And usually it's not a one-way street like this. Usually it's a two-way street. And even if it's not a two-way street, it'll become a two-way street because for everything your partner does, there's something that they will tell you that you're doing that is, <laughs> is, not, um, is not making the relationship work. But the point is that you can address the issue up front through a normal adult conversation. Um, sit down, have a talk. Make sure people, you know, make sure your partner realizes that it's an important discussion to have and that for this, you know, say, don't look at your phone because this is exactly what we're talking about right now. In all kinds of relationship confrontations, don't don't be confrontational. Um, be open. Uh, be ready to listen to somebody. Um, don't think that your point of view is the only point of view. Everybody has a legitimate perspective. So you've got to listen to each other. Um, just like in any, any conversation that you'd have, whether you're talking about money in your relationship or you're talking about time, it's the same kind of thing. You've got to be open and you've got to be ready to, uh, listen, you know, at the same time, you want to express the idea that this is something that we need to work on. So you work on it together. Yeah. And I like this idea of, of doing it together. And another way you can frame it is not necessarily, hey, you need to put down your phone or I will take it away, is maybe go back and say, hey, I was thinking that I would really like to connect more with you and maybe we can do this by having device-free time together. And that way it doesn't put it down uh, to their behaviors. It's like, hey, let's both put our devices away and hang out together and because I want to connect with you. Right. And I think making that appeal is something that will it it makes communication and it makes the discussion of how we interact with each other so much easier because it it shows, you know, like I was saying, it shows that you're open to working something out as a team and you're not accusing someone of a behavior that you feel is unpleasant because nobody likes to be accused. Right. Right. Thanks for joining us today on Adulting. Be sure to visit our website at adulting.tv to subscribe and to view video and see other resources. And please go ahead and if you enjoy our podcast, leave a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Um, And your honesty is always appreciated. Feel free to send us any feedback. If you have ideas for shows or if you have a question, just go to adulting.tv and contact us there. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.